Welcome to The Writing Life, the podcast for anyone who writes. I'm Holly Ainley, Head of Programs and Creative Engagement at the National Centre for Writing, here at Dragon Hall in Norwich, UNESCO City of Literature. We've had a busy month at the National Centre for Writing, and we've got more coming up. Our essay writing workshop with writer, researcher and audio producer Stephanie Y. Tam is just around the corner on Saturday 25th of November. You can take a look at all our workshops and events by going to nationalcentreforwriting.org.uk forward slash what's hyphen on. Today's conversation takes place between writer, performer and NCW tutor Molly Naylor and writer, actress and theatre director Jen Dewsbury. Molly and Jen discuss the craft of script writing and their experiences teaching and studying on the NCW Academy online tutored script writing course. Molly Naylor is the co-creator and writer of Sky One Comedy After Hours. Her plays have been toured nationally and broadcast on BBC Radio 4. She wrote and performed the acclaimed solo spoken word shows Stop Trying to Be Fantastic, Whenever I Get Blown Up I Think of You and My Robot Heart. Jen Dewsbury is an actress, theatre director and voice and acting coach. She recently completed an MA in writing for script and screen with Falmouth University. In this episode, Molly and Jen talk about the process of developing an initial story idea into the first full draft of a script. They discuss the benefits of investing time and energy into the planning stages, as well as delving into the different phases of script writing, such as the premise, steps outline and treatment. So lots to get your teeth into. And now I'm delighted to hand over to Jen Dewsbury in conversation with Molly Naylor. So my name's Jen and I'm sitting here talking to Molly Naylor. And we're having this chat today because back in 2021, I did the online introduction to screenwriting course that you tutored. And I loved it. I have to say, I did love it. I'm not, <laughs> just, not just biased. It was everything I wanted it to be. And it left me wanting more. But it also left me with quite a lot of material that I had written. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually used some of that to enrol on a master's degree and I'm just coming to the end of a master's degree in screenwriting and it's it's all because I took a chance and enrolled on that course. So I'm really excited to be talking to you about that today and about the fundamentals that I think just made it so perfect. Well that's so lovely, thank you and I'm really happy to be here with you as well because I don't get to talk about script writing much and it's yeah so this course that that you did and were a brilliant student on by the way um it's <laughs> It's a, it's a sort of remote course, isn't it? So you're kind of, you're, I'm setting you tasks, you're doing them. And then we do, we do get to interact, but it's, it's not the same. It's different to being in a room together. And the reason for that is that so people can do it around their jobs and around their lives. And so they don't have to, you know, do a big, do a big kind of masters. Although you've obviously gone on to do that, which I, I always hoped a lot of people might if they wanted to. So I'm so glad you have. Is that, where is that? That's at Falmouth. So it's online. Nice. Which is where and I'm from, by the way. So I, ah, yeah. <laughs> Which is a weird little... Yeah, it's um, a nice turnaround. Yeah. Yeah, no, that worked so well. Mm. Um, I know it was sort of the lockdown period and everything, so I did have time. Yeah. And I let it take over my entire life. And it's, it's a, it is a part-time course. You don't have to get 
that involved in it. Mm. Um, and I've never signed up for a writing course before because I've looked at them and then I've panicked and thought, but I haven't got any ideas. Right. I think that's quite a common thing. I think ideas are hard to come up with. And I think I, I, I do meet people now who like who have been writing for a while, who are sort of ideas factories. And I just, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like that. Which is why I sometimes use my own <laughs> kind of course materials to try and generate ideas for my work. Because, yeah, I, I, I think some people walk around, don't they, going, idea, idea, I like grabbing things. And I, that's not how I live my life. I'm always trying to be quite present. And I think t- thinking about <laughs> what work takes me out of that. So it's a bit of a difficult, it's a bit of a paradox. But um, yeah, I'm so I'm so glad you went on to a master's. You're doing it now, and yeah, like that's. Had you written before? Like, what was your relationship with writing before you signed up to my course? Bad, pretty bad. <laughs> I remember I was slightly embarrassed on the course because suddenly, at the age of fifty three, I was writing kind of with the joy and freedom that I remembered writing when mm. I was at primary school. Great. And once I hit secondary school, that all finished. Yeah. Forget all the freedom, forget the joy, forget the creativity. Yeah. Really apologise to whoever my teachers were at the time. But it just seemed to close me down. Yeah. And so for a while, I think probably what you received from me (laughs) was quite a lot of just this sort of whoosh on paper. If that makes sense. Yeah. But that's Um, that was the sort of the whole point of the course. That's brilliant. That's your, you're given permission, aren't you, to do that? Because yeah. we say, like, it's, it suits people who have never done it before mm. and it suits people who have done some street writing, but maybe not for a while. So, yeah, that's like, you were the perfect person to do it, basically, for that reason, because you weren't really polished and you weren't like, here no. I am, I've written loads of things. So not polished. I'd written occasional, um, because I taught drama. Mm. So I'd written occasional um, scenes and things, but they were things that I wanted to be... Um, really open so students so there are only about six lines because we had 18 students and we've got to get through it um, but and I wanted it to be really open so they could put whatever inflection on we could line up shout emotion or attitude and they would produce that so it had to be quite um bland I yeah suppose. sort of quite neutral and yeah then... neutral that's it yeah um and I thinking about it I had written with a friend who does who performs so my work has been performed and I realised I had actually been paid for it because I bought a computer with it. Cool. But they, she was very much the guide then. She yes. had done the courses. She was the one who knew the structure and she knew what she wanted to do. So that, yeah, I realised I had, but I hadn't, I had, I've never written with that kind of freedom. Yeah. Since. And you had all these exercises that kind of triggered the ideas. Mm. And once they started, it's almost like they don't stop. I have to have a book by the bed because I would wake up in the middle of the night going, oh, right, okay. <laughs> and I'll be, or I'll be in the middle of a conversation with friends and they'd just say something. A friend talked about their new car and how flashy it was and how they'd had to turn off the computer. And I'm there going, oh, there's a story in that. Yeah. There's a short film in that. Yeah, that's great. So you really, it really opens up. So I think if anybody is afraid that they don't have the ideas um it doesn't matter these courses are set up to 
to help you find to help them. You find them, yeah. And that's it. When I remember when I was writing the course, and I was, I did find that element of it quite hard. Like, what are the exercises that are going to prompt ideas? And so I'm really glad that that's worked. Because the thing about script writing, which obviously you are fully aware of now after doing the MA as well as this course, is that there's quite a lot of rules, aren't there? Mm. Like, there are more rules than with, like, say, poetry or prose or other forms. Um, but I don't, the, the, the rules kind of, and this is what happened to me when I was on my master's, like 15 years ago or something, I was like, okay, I'm learning all the rules, but no one told me on my master's where the ideas come from. So I was like, I'm, I know I'm sort of learning how to do it and learning this craft, but my ideas are rubbish. And I, and so I'm glad that that worked for you. And I think it's, I think it's something that often creative writing courses miss because they go, well, you're, you, you know, you obviously have loads of ideas or coming up with ideas is easy or they like premise it as this kind of like mystical thing of like, well, you never know when the idea will pop into your head. And it's like, no, I need one today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I need it now. I've yeah. got a deadline. <laughs> exactly. And it can't, it doesn't need to be like, you know, the, the idea that's going to change your life. It just needs to be something to put into a scene on that day. And so it's really great that now I feel like you, you what you're describing is your brain changing slightly to go, mm-hmm. I'm seeing those things now. I'm seeing the possibility of kind of taking a moment, taking a bit of conflict, taking a kind of, yeah, basically stealing from everyone that you come into contact with. Oh, my God, yes. yes. <laughs> sometimes you check, sometimes you don't, right? That's, I have lots of conversations around like, can I just, do you mind yeah. if I... <laughs> I have, I've had people where I've said, do you mind if I use that? Yeah. And yeah. then I've sent them the finished thing and said, look, because I've tried not to be upset because someone has told me a dream or they've told me mm. an idea or, or an event from their life. And I will ask unless I think it's something that is so generic, but I can put a twist on it that, yeah. that they're not going to notice. Because the thing about these little ideas that spark us, they're not, they're not the whole thing, are they? So if, someone, if someone's telling you about their tricky divorce or a, you know, a, a trip they went on, it's not like that is going to be the radio show or the the film it's it's about finding a little premise and those little premises then we build them and then we we turn them into something and then we put them through this massive kind of like structural framework and all of these other things so by the time you actually get to the finished piece it might be unrecognizable from this tiny premise but it's like you have to have that little premise to start with that kind of what if like what if somebody left their job and moved to Antarctica like you've got to have that little moment of what if you know and but once you've got that you're it becomes a different thing in theatre when they talk about Stanislavski they talk about his magic gif which is the same mm, thing isn't it what if yeah. you tell actors when they're trying to and children in particular because they they're really good at the imaginative play what if this happened what yes if that happened yeah now I know on the course because I've I had a quick look back <laughs> like what did we do <laughs> I can't I've got um you started with talking about characters, mm. but um, I kind of want... You've, you've mentioned premise several times now, and I think we ought to talk about that process of writing because it works, because mm. <laughs> it's such a good process that starts with that premise. So should we talk about what a premise is? Yeah, we better had. Because <laughs> they're tricky. Yeah. Really tricksy. It seems really simple. You've got, what, two to three sentences, maybe 50 words, probably not more. Yeah, yeah. It's but, a, yeah, it's a few sentences, isn't it, That that is some kind of hook. But it has a special job because it can't just be 
Molly and Jen sit in a room talking about podcast, <laughs> about script writing. It's, you know, there's got to be something that hints at this massive journey. Yeah. But that doesn't do the journey because that is going to be done later. So it's like, how do you do that in a few lines? And those lines often like form the sort of pitch of your project yeah. that you are then trying to sell based on those few lines. And it's really tricky and it's really annoying and people often don't like doing it. But it's a way to stress test the idea. And if you don't have, if you can't pitch your idea in a few sentences, I I reckon it's not, it's not there yet. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. Which sounds harsh. And it's, it's like the kind of thing I got very frustrated with when I was learning about this, because I sort of felt like mine's a different kind of idea. It's not the kind of idea that you can sum up in three sentences. And it's like, well, then it's probably not ready yet or finished yet or good enough or strong enough to yeah. actually carry two hour screenplay or whatever it is, six hour series. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I always go back to, I've got basic notes that were something like your premise. Who's your protagonist? Yep. What do they want? Huge. Um, what's getting in the way of that? Yeah. And what happens if they don't get it? Yeah. And it's only four things, but putting them together and finding the flow, because you know when you've got it right, because it just flows yeah. and you share it with friends and they're excited by it. Yeah, exactly. And no it one's leaps confused. off the page. <laughs> and no one's confused. And it's, yeah, it, and they think, oh, tell me more. And, yeah. they, you know, that's, their, that's people's reaction to it. And, and I think the key thing is is character, really, because with within that premise, like I think often oftentimes I don't know if you have this when you're talking to other creatives about their work and they might say, oh, I'm writing something about mental health or I'm writing something about travel or I'm writing something about divorce. So I don't know why I keep bringing up divorce today. <laughs> I just got engaged. So maybe oh, I'm congratulations. Uh, maybe I'm worried. <laughs> but but yeah, so like that's the theme, right? And that's great, and that's really interesting. And that you might be drawn to writing because you really want to write about mental health, but that's not a premise. That's not interesting because the, what we care about is character. So, and it's 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 something that I think people make mistake. They make the mistake of doing a lot in a sort of early bits of pitching and things because they're like, oh, I'm going to hook you by going. This is a really current premise. It's something's happening right now. It's about. It's about stuff that's happening right now. It's about asylum seekers. It's about people crossing the channel on small boats. Like, let's go. And it's like, it, it, that's a new story. That's a theme. It's a broader topic. Like, what we need is, like, a person trying to do a thing. And that's that's all, all it is. And then some... Yeah. So within a premise, you're saying, like, oh, this person's trying to do a thing. Um, but within that, you, you need to give a sense of, like, why. Like, why they want that. Why It's not just, like, oh, Jen's going to Lidl. It's, like, Jen is desperate... <laughs> to buy a birthday cake because she's forgotten this person's birthday every year for the last 25 years and this year she's going to remember like already there yeah. there's like that we we understand something about you from yeah. your intention rather than just like you're going to little yeah <laughs> <laughs> like which that. i think illustrates really nicely the fact that this little premise can take can be the longest thing to write because yeah that's your foundation exactly and you've sort of got to you've almost got to in your head write the whole script in a sense in order to condense it and crystallize it down to that little nubbin sorry for saying nubbin yeah. and then <laughs> when you write one. it you're expanding it out again aren't you so you're, yeah. you need to be able to kind of weirdly see into the future and go I know there's a massive story here because I've thought about it quite a lot 
Now I'm going to condense it down into these few lines. And then when I start the work of actually writing it, I'm going to let it spread out again and I'm going to dig even deeper into the character and what she wants and why and all of those things. So then you take your premise yeah. and you expand it into an outline yes. or a synopsis. Yes, or a one-pager, we sometimes call that, mm. in the industry. <laughs> and again, that can be quite frustrating. What I found, mm. and I'm not quite so bad now, but <laughs> what I found was I wanted to do the writing. Oh, I didn't want to sit yep. and write a premise. Well, no. I, I kind of did because I was learning. But I didn't want to keep spending all that time on it. And then the synopsis. And as you're writing these things, ideas pop in about bits of dialogue yeah. and scenes. And I would find myself nipping off going, I've got to write that down. I've got to yeah. write that down. And then I'd write this scene. And it's like, you haven't got, you don't know where that fits. You haven't got an outline. You've only got a vague idea of what you like. Yeah, but I think that's good. I think when we, as script writing tutors when we're encouraging people to do all these kind of early planning documents it can be really frustrating for people the reason often we do that is like twofold i guess it's because it's because of what i just said it's because that tests the idea to see if it's strong enough but also it's because it's really industry standard so in in the real world if um if you're sort of going to have a meeting with a tv production company and you've got this brilliant idea and you want them to you know to get on board and pay you to write the first episode and maybe pitch that to Channels and things, you know, that's what you want to happen. The fir Your first way of showing them your idea is going to be through a one-pager because it's the industry standard to do that. So we're trying to get you to the point where you, you're really fluent at that kind of writing as well as using that, that document to test whether the idea actually holds up. But what you said about how then you're getting ideas and then you're going off and writing a scene and coming, I think that is the way to do it. I think it's a, it's a back and forth process all of the time between planning and, and and doing the actual writing of the script once you've planned it properly isn't hard it's actually yeah. the art is in the planning and I think a lot of people get frustrated like you said because they're going well I'm not I haven't written anything yet I haven't even done anything yet I haven't even like put pen to paper it's like you have this thinking forms the the backbone this plan by the time you get to the script it's just typing actually it's going do you know what I mean if it's yeah. if you've planned properly and rigorously, and you've turned that synopsis then into a beat sheet with, you know, maybe 40, like, out little scene, like, little descriptions of the scenes, then by the time you actually write that scene, you go, oh, it's Monday morning, I'm sitting down, what am I doing today? Oh, I'm, I know that I'm writing the one where she has a fight in a cafe, and then you write it, and it's joy. Yes. But people want to start that bit first. They want to, they just, because yeah. they get like, oh, I, I love writing dialogue. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to start writing this amazing scene. But then you go, well, actually, you've just written a five page scene here. It's really nice. There's some nice dialogue, nice turns of phrase. There's a nice little image with the window and a pigeon behind it. But actually, is this moving the action forward? What is, what is this in the story? Oh, it's not really anything. And then that's when people kind of get halfway through a first draft and realize, they need to start again because it's like it's not working. And I think people often get to that point and they go, why isn't this working? Why isn't this a good story? Why isn't it? Why isn't it compelling? And it's that it's because write, script writing is so different to prose in that like I do. I think often novelists do just sit down and start writing and see what happens. And that seems to work for a lot <laughs> yeah. of them. Yeah. But with script, it's yeah. like the scenes are building blocks. They're not 
they're not pieces of like beautiful writing. They're building blocks and they're block units of action that take us. And that sounds quite unromantic. And it is it is quite an unromantic form, I think, script writing. It's like it's not it's not kind of the idea of like sitting in your beautiful office writing some incredible art because the art is actually comes later, doesn't it, when it's actually being met. Like yeah. this is a blueprint for the art, which again yeah. Some people find that really frustrating. Like, how's that been for you, that dawning on you going, oh, I haven't actually finished this piece of writing and now I'm going to publish it in a book. It's like, oh, now I need that next stage. Like, have you found that frustrating or have you enjoyed that challenge and thinking about it in that way? Now I'm where I am. Mm. I really feel the benefit of having put the planning in. And it doesn't mean that the planning is set in stone. Mm. Because there have been times when um, I've got to that point where I've got my beats in and I'm writing up my little scenes and I've reread it and I've suddenly gone, but we can't tell that they don't know each other very well. Yeah, exactly. So I need a conversation or even maybe two or three lines that just lets us know that it's a little awkward right now and they don't know each other that well. I can't just launch straight in. Yeah. So then you go back and you add that to an earlier bit of the plan or an yeah. earlier scene and then you're and then you're laughing. I found the tricky bit is keeping up with um having a thought or an idea and then remembering to pop that into the outline somewhere or into mm. the treatment. Yeah. Because that's the next step, isn't it? So yeah. we've gone premise. Yeah. Synopsis or outline. Yeah. The next is the treatment, mm. which is that um, present tense description, almost scene by scene, but without saying their scenes, because that comes. Later. Yeah, exactly. A premise, uh, a treatment is a sort of expanded synopsis, isn't it? It's even more if you if you sort of commissioned by a production company to write a treatment, it would be it would be providing them with even more proof that you know how to how to treat this story, how to tell this story and so you're kind of yeah you're explaining the whole story in an outward facing way you're saying like here's here's what will happen and you're not saying in scene one this happens it's more broad than that it's more kind they of they walk like, into this room yeah they then, sit down they order a coffee yeah and then it's yeah. like they they might travel to cornwall and you're not you're not writing like scene three exterior train day like you're not going yeah. into that much detail because that's the actual script but you're 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 saying the action basically you're ex- exploring the action they do this they do this they do this this happens this happens this happens and so on and so forth it's actually quite a boring document it's not like a beautiful piece of writing again but it does it does give you a real sense of as reading it it gives you a real sense of how yeah how the story's going to work it's the it's the arc isn't it and it's less condensed than a synopsis but it's still not the actual script yet and it has a bit more detail and atmosphere yes. i guess than the synopsis atmosphere so you can is kind of good, yeah. convey a certain amount of the tone of the final piece yeah so if it's funny this treatment should be funny it should show us that this is a funny story if it's spooky it should be a spooky treatment and that's hard but actually it's quite a fun challenge i think to yeah. go how can i make sure that this yes kind of encapsulates the tone that i'm intending for the actual piece yeah and you learn a bit more about the characters because they're more developed yeah and they're doing things and yeah it's 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 a fun document to write and a hard one yes <laughs> yes and as i say any changes you make further down the line you have to go back to your treatment and and make sure that ref- it reflects yeah. it yeah yeah yeah. But it's a useful one because 
if you get lost, if you think you're going off on a tangent, mm. and sometimes I do, <laughs> <laughs> get a bit excited and indulgent about things, it's really good to go back to and go, ah, that's what I had in mind. Yeah. And even if you're there going, well, that's boring now. Yeah. Um, at least you you know where you were. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And what your intention was. And it's sort of like going, do I trust my earlier self who came up with that? Or do I trust the self who's gone through this this period of development and actually has now made a new decision based on things yes. that have happened? Yeah. So then you take your treatment mm. and you turn it into your step outline. Yes. Or sometimes people call that a beat sheet, whatever whatever sort of works for you. And this document is for you. It's not... It, 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 you might share it with like a collaborator or possibly someone you were working with at a production company, but ultimately it's your planning document. It's your... It's your map for how you're going to actually sit down and write this story. And so this is really a scene by scene. This is really like, you know, for me, I'll probably have about 40 steps. Um, I will write them all out individually on index cards and blue tack them to my wall so that I can then like move them around if I need to. But ultimately, again, it's not it's not like each one is a scene, but each one is a sequence. So it, within that, and when we talk about scenes, we're literally just talking, especially in, in screenwriting here, aren't we? We're talking about um, a location or a time frame. So a scene, you know, we could be sit, sitting in a cafe and that's a scene and then we go outside and that's another scene. So on these index cards, you're not going into that much granular detail, but you're talking about a sequence, which might be that like... Bill and Matthew go on a date and in the course of that date we'll know that there's maybe three different locations but essentially the important information is Bill and Matthew are on a date and Bill tells Matthew that he thinks they should spend some time apart so that's what needs to happen right and then that's your like one of your scenes one of your sequences rather and you're just building the story like that and that's the whole story like that on index cards or bullet points or however you want to do it and that is your that's kind of your map that you will then check. You will look at and you go, does this work? Is this is this okay? Is this everything that I thought it was going to be? Do I need it? And th- this is when structure is really useful, like looking at structural kind of blueprints, because then you can go, am I hitting that beat? Am I am I making sure that this is? It's like a way of checking before you write the script, because if you just launch into writing the script you'll realise it's not working and then you have to write another draft and then yeah. you have to write another draft and that process is agony because it's a 100-page document. But if you're just looking at 40 index cards or equivalent, that's easy to change, right? That's that's not a big problem to go, I'm going to remove this card, I'm going to throw this in the bin and I'm going to write a whole new one. Um, but that was probably like 20 pages of script that you might have just put in the bin. Yeah. Or five, um, but still, it's like, that's hard work. And you might have what, spent loads of time on the dialogue, making it beautiful, and then it's in the bin. It's hard to put something in the bin once you've worked it up that much. But if it's yeah. just notes on a card, it's easy to go, that's not right. And sometimes um, changing the order mm. can really have an effect on the energy and the pace and the build-up to something. So it might be as simple as that. You've, you've just got them in the wrong order. Yeah, exactly. Because often like what, and I think this is true to an extent with novel writing and other forms as well, you're within the course of a story, what you're trying to do is you're trying to build tension. You're trying to think things are escalating, aren't they? So if you realise in your plan that you actually have 
you you know you have a really big event sort of halfway through and you go actually that's probably the biggest event that happens so i'm gonna push that back so that we're we're leading up to that so that things can kind of develop in increments leading up to a kind of climax you don't want to, you, you might find you've accidentally got something that is quite climactic but it's on page 40 and you're like yeah. actually no let's let's push it push it towards the end so, and that's a really rewarding process as well because you're like oh i'm making it better without even having started yet yes yeah and i was thinking if you think about horror films and things you can have kind of the protagonist getting closer and closer but if you intersperse that with other scenes, mm. um, short scenes, it sort of builds that tension, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Really short, but, <laughs> but yeah, but those little breathers. So yeah. it's like you've got this action, you know, and then you might have a little breather. Where, you know, often those beautiful mm. scenes, in, in, especially in films and TV, where, you know, it's all happening, it's all kicking off. But then there's maybe this moment where your main character is like doing karaoke or you know looking off a mountain and it's just those moments because you can't have like action 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 it's relentless yeah but just those little moments in between where those little charactery fun moments that create that rhythm that you're talking about yeah yes as you say fun moments but also maybe a little time for a character to reflect or the audience to reflect yeah just that breather yeah for sure and that contrast as well so you have something mm. happy in the middle of something that could be about to get quite traumatic. Yeah. Or, yeah. I always think the step outline, if that's not working, is a really good time to go back to the big story structures. Yeah. So I've, I've cut my step outline up and I've laid it out on the floor in the three-act structure. I've added extra notes. Um, sometimes I've got the headings of like the Blake Snyder beat sheet and I'm putting things under there and going but does that work and is that is that a good guideline yeah so we're talking about um those sort of sort of structural frameworks that have been written by other people as kind of guides aren't we to how to to write a, a screenplay and I think it's they're not massively useful it's not massively useful to kind of read a ton of them before you actually start writing, but it's useful at this stage, isn't it, to come to and go, yeah. okay, this this like old Hollywood man has written this big book about structure. I'm <laughs> yeah. not going to read the whole thing, yeah. but I am going to read what he says about, you know, often they've, they'll, they'll have these little like diagrams or they'll have this little like checklist and they can be really useful. And obviously it should go without saying, but it probably doesn't that they're, you know, we're really talking about a sort of very classic like Western story structure and it is within our rights as writers to kind of challenge and subvert those ideas. So it's not, we're not saying like this is your blueprint how to write, but it is useful because stories do tend to follow this this similar arc because it's about change. It's about someone someone undergoing a journey changing in response to it and what do they learn and what do we learn and that it's pretty simple but it's hard to it's it's easy to see so when you're sat there watching a film I could you know I could say to you oh Jen what's what does this character learn what do they want with this but for some reason when you're doing it from the other direction it's harder isn't it it's harder to actually um (laughs) I don't know why it is but it is it's Mm. it's easy to see it and it's harder to do it for some reason but I think the further you get along towards writing your script, the more you start to learn about your characters and how they react and how they react to each other and the situations, their triggers and mm. what they need, their wants and their needs. And then 
as you learn about your characters, you start realising how they would react or how they need to react. And maybe that story then needs a something, which is why I go back to those three-act, kind of the three-act or the five-act or the 19-point. There are so many out there that you can choose from. I think you have to find what works for you and maybe what works for the story that you're writing at the time. Yes, exactly. And not to be frustrated with yourself if it doesn't if it doesn't make sense to you because it's a very specific way of thinking about story that you might not have ever thought about before you you might not have thought about story in any way other than like I like this story or you know my mum used to read me this story or I went to the cinema and saw this film and I liked do you know what I mean it's like you might not have thought okay what are the ingredients of a story and the bone structure of a story and all it's that's quite a complex idea that most people just enjoy their lives and don't really think about that. No. So it's a new way of thinking. And so it's okay if that feels alien or, you know, or doesn't feel like it makes sense. There will be one out there that works for you. Um, yeah, there's so many to choose from. Um, but it's like exactly like you say, if it works for you, great. And if it works for this story, great. If not, move on to something else and don't get, don't feel feel like it's necessarily yeah. a failure in, in, in you. Because if you've done everything else that we've been talking about, then chances are you, you, you're you getting it right. Yeah. But you just need to find a framework to, uh, through which to kind of view it and check it that works for you and, and feels useful rather than like you're just sort of being told off by uh, an old Hollywood man yeah. <laughs> from the past. Yeah, told you've got the recipe wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when actually you don't have, I don't know, there's... A- there's an ingredient that you don't have or you want to put you want more of it or yeah or you're mm. intentionally not using eggs in this recipe yeah you're making yeah. a vegan yeah. <laughs> script i don't know this analogy is <laughs> losing I think it's, yeah no but i just yeah but it's I like but it, it is, is your bit. story isn't it like yeah. it's like so if someone's saying oh it needs this it's like sure i respect that that is an idea but i'm it's about choice, isn't it? It's about yes. going, I, I, I'm aware yeah. of all of these things and I'm choosing to reject them rather than I don't know what I'm doing and I'm just writing and you, blindly. You can subvert them if you're really clever. You can. And yeah. it will be something epic and new and people are really excited. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but traditionally, people are kind of used to a certain rhythm in certain stories mm-hmm. and certain genres. Yep. So, you know, the young couple whose car breaks down at the beginning of a film, you know... But it's going to be raining probably, and if it's not, then it will be soon. And yeah. you know it's going to be at night, and you know there's going to be some old house on the hill that they go knocking on the door. You kind of there are expectations, and it's you can go along with them, but it's also good to to play with them. Yeah, exactly. But that's I think that's what these structures come from. That sort of that audience expectation because they know they know the pattern, they know yeah. the layout and they know where they expect to be taken. Exactly. That's, so either yeah. take them there or don't but know that you're you're not taking them there on purpose. Yeah. And understand that that's going to be jarring, but then if you can find a way to deliver on that later, then that that's great. And I think audiences are really sophisticated now like that they expect a level of complexity. And I think it's one of the reasons why the rom-com is struggling at the moment because I think people are, are so familiar with, you know, forms like that. So they're kind of going, I do want a rom-com, but I, I, I need it to be a bit more interesting. I can't be pre- like preempting every single thing that happens. So it's why people, I think there's, I, I, I'm speaking to a lot of people at the moment who are like, I just want to watch a rom-com. But then they do and they're like, oh, it feels a bit 90s. Do you know what I mean? Because that form is quite a, yes. an old form now. I've got a friend who is 
um, writing um, a Hallmark Christmas rom-com uh-huh. as her assignment. Yeah. Wow. And she's not used to that format. Yeah. And she said there are so many rules and guidelines about what you have to have, and it's got to be family-friendly. So she's trying to create this chemistry between these two characters that is family-friendly. Mm. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so then she she's asking us to read it and go, but bear in mind, I have to do this, I have to do that, I have to do this. And then she's saying, but... Is it exciting? Does it work? Mm. And it kind of does in a... It's got that Christmas slightly cheesy, yeah. lovely, and I can imagine the music that will go with it. Yeah. yeah, And she paints these beautiful pictures of this idyllic Christmas in this little village. Mm. And I can almost smell Christmas in that yes. village. I can smell the bakery, the snow is coming down. So I think she's hitting all the right things, but it's... It's not what she normally writes, and that's why she's doing it. Yeah, yeah. But certain companies do want, that's their trademark. That is... Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's the, the, the idea that there's very little jeopardy in mm. those stories. You know, there'll be a bit of jeopardy, will they get together, but ultimately you 100% know they will. And I think, you know, some audiences do, obviously, clearly there's still a market for that. I think, the you know, a, a sort of younger broader audience are looking for something that goes oh I'm I, I want it to hit some of the some of the points that I expect but I, I don't want it to be completely cliche yeah you know I want it to be surprising yeah. to some extent and and I think jeopardy is a big part part of that of kind of going oh what's at stake here and you know there's so much at stake for us in the world at the moment that I think people I want that reflected in the stories that they're engaging with yeah. Or I guess a smaller minority want to completely <laughs> not think about it at all, which I also respect. respect. I yeah. don't want to know. <laughs> just totally fine. <laughs> um, but let's just recap. So we've talked about the premise. Yeah. Talked about the outline. Yeah. Talked about the treatment. Yeah. We're up to the step outline, yep. which is an exciting point because then you can kind of lay that step outline down and you start writing your scenes. Yes. Which at that point you're like, finally. <laughs> But also, you're like, well, this better be good now. But actually, by the time you get to that point, it's funny how inauspicious that can feel, actually, once you've done all this work. And I think that's the right way it should be. It's like, what do I need to do today? I need to write I need to write this one. And then you write it. And, and yeah, it's probably not perfect. But it's also... It is really freeing. When you get to that point and you are able to start writing... Suddenly, you you just sit at your computer. Oh, I do. I just sit at my computer and um, it's there. I know what I have to write. I can, I've got enough notes that I can remember the thoughts and ideas that I had that I wanted to put into that scene. You know what I mean? Things that people might say, images, um, the relationship development. So that I've got key points that I want to put in as well as the description of the scene. Yeah. And then it's it kind of, it just flow. And it's surprising how quickly you can write it. Yeah, I'm, I always say, tell this to people because I think, that, uh, like we said earlier, people are very reluctant to do all of this planning because it means they haven't, they haven't started yet. <laughs> but by the time you get to this stage, the actual writing of that's 90 pages or 60 pages or whatever it is, you can knock it out in a week because 
you you know what you're doing and the actual typing is you know it's just it's just getting getting through it and you will probably do another draft but actually it does flow then and it feels absolutely amazing and that's my absolute thing. Mm. I do love the planning as well and but the planning for me I find it really hard and you know involves a lot of kind of staring at the wall a lot of sort of taking a problem for a walk yes. and it's difficult whereas when you've got that solid plan there's nothing better is there than sitting down and going right and I'm doing it today and then you get yeah. to have fun and then you get to be doing like and it feels lovely dialogue easy. and it feels easy and if it doesn't yeah. feel easy at that stage then it's probably because there's there's still problems you need to iron out earlier it's probably because the actual arc of your story isn't convincing you and that is hard when you you know, I've had that before where I've completed a first draft, not really enjoyed writing it and then sort of talked to a producer and then pointed out those problems that can only be solved by going really far back into the yeah. process, which is a really good argument for not rushing that process because a first draft that you don't like and that your producer doesn't like is really demoralising and feels really bad, whereas what we're describing previous to that feels fantastic. So while you were talking, I was thinking... So many thoughts while you're talking. <laughs> it's really exciting to be able to have this conversation. Um, I saw um, a video recently where they were talking to someone who guides writers. I so wish I had a better brain and I could remember who <laughs> made the video and who they were talking to because she was amazing. And she advocates having a clean notebook at the beginning and you write down everything that's in your head about that project. Mm, yes. Why you want to do it, what excites you about it, um, <clears throat> loads of bits about the characters, all the lists of wants and needs that you've gone through. And she said that way, when you get to the end or towards the end and then you start to struggle with anything, yeah, it's you can all go there. back to that book and you can remember why you wanted to write it in the first place. Yeah. I think that's a brilliant idea. I, I think I definitely have a version of that. I have a notebook that it's probably a little bit more formalised where I might kind of go, right, I'm going to do a page on the mum, I'm going to do a page on the daughter, I'm going to do a page. But ultimately, yeah, it's that. It's the joy. It should be a joy, that notebook. And it, and you're right, it does contain things that you then look back on and go, oh, I completely forgot that I had decided she should be really stubborn for this reason. And everything should have a reason, shouldn't it, when we're doing this? Yeah. It should kind of go... It should all link to the character's journey. And so the decisions we're making, they're not random. And those that sort of notebook work can really help us understand the choices that we're making and check them and then and then kind of perfect them or tweak them later. But yeah, I think that's a great idea. Good to remember why you're doing it. Yeah. And like you say, the reasons. I have been known to write why in huge letters across mm. a couple of sheets of paper and just stick it to my wall to remind me. Yeah. Question everything. Why that character? Why that situation? Why now? Yeah, and I think that's really important because there are moments over this process, because it's a long process, that you do get demoralised, don't you? And you do feel like, what's the point? Does anyone care? Or is anyone ever going to want to watch this or read this or engage with this? And those are tough questions. Yeah. And you need to be a, on your good days. You need to be able to answer the questions that you are going to be asking on your bad days. Because there yeah. will be bad days. Yeah. But, and you're going to be the best person to sort of pull yourself up from those. Because obviously people around you are probably, hopefully, if you're lucky, going to be nice and supportive. But ultimately, they don't really necessarily, you know, know too much about what's going on other than like, 
you go. Like, I'm sure it'll be great. That's all they can really say, right? Whereas if you're saying like, no, this is an important story because X, Y, and Z, then that's really useful to remember on the day where you're like, everything sucks and I hate my life and my writing. <laughs> and those days happen. And it can be quite a solitary process. Yeah, yeah. Which I think I love that aspect of it most of the time. And then sometimes you feel like, what am I, what am I doing? Um, it's hard. <laughs> I sometimes wish I listened to the interviews with writers' rooms. Yeah. And I don't know if I could cope, but a bit of me, when I'm sitting on my own sometimes trying to make a decision on something, mm. I just wish I had someone else to bounce the ideas off yes. or sit and thrash out that that first idea and how, you know, what we're going to put in each episode of this series and how it's going to develop and what we need to think about. Because sometimes it's just a lot in one person's head. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. Much. Uh, it's difficult I think I have collaborated in the past and I do really enjoy it but also it I feel like it sort of in a way takes twice as long in in some sense like sometimes yeah. you, you save time because someone will have a better idea than you but often you lose time because you sort of have to fight for every idea you know both people yeah. have to and then you're you're sort of a lot of the time you're talking around an idea rather than just doing the idea yeah so sometimes it's frustrating <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think it can yield fantastic results. Yeah. So one thing I really wanted to ask, um, because in this new world of ours where imposter syndrome is a big thing and so many people suffer from it, was there a point where you realised you could actually stand there and call yourself a writer without inside thinking, am I, they're going to find me out? <laughs> it's a great question. I I always think it's I I don't know why but there's a, I often say if someone says what do you do I still often don't say I'm a writer I say I write because I think that is true what you know that doesn't depend on a gatekeeper having commissioned you or somebody having told you you are good you do write do you know what I mean I write and sometimes people pay me for it and I feel like if I say I'm a writer, the response I normally get is, have you written anything I would have heard of? And unless you're incredibly famous as a writer, the answer to that is probably going to be no. That doesn't mean that you're not having a really great career as a writer, but it, it's a weird conversation because it, it goes like, I'm a writer. Have you written anything I'd have heard of? Probably not. Mm, okay are you really a writer and 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 it you know it feels a bit weird or if even if they're not being that kind of judgmental and they're just like oh I don't understand mm -hmm. or they don't know the right questions to ask so you end up feeling a bit defensive and then it, it's just not a great conversation mm. whereas if you say you write then it's quite nice because then often that tends to lead to like oh what are you writing at the moment or questions that are that are a bit less like based in capitalism and like you don't feel like you have to justify what you're doing through money and you know so we're in a position at the moment where like it's a really it's a really competitive job to to be a full-time writer and but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't write just because someone isn't paying you to do that or someone is paying you a smaller amount and you are also balancing other work with it like I don't I just think we mm. can take money out of it as, as much as possible 
Um, I mean, obviously, we need to earn money. I'm not saying that. Yes, but, yes. But we have like, to pay the bills. Yeah, but, but there are, you know, if you're if you're paying the bills through other means and you're also writing, that that still counts. Mm. Like, it always counts. Yeah. Money shouldn't be the sole purpose of creating. No, exactly. Because otherwise you take, kind of take the soul and the joy and the life out of it. Yeah, and, it, you know, I know a lot of people who do write, like, at a very high level and aren't that happy because mm. there's they're under an immense amount of pressure and put themselves under an immense amount of pressure and I, so i think it's it's that balance between going oh i'm this person's paying me to write this so at the moment for me like i'm just i have a new commission to write a play but i'm also writing a new piece of work that no one is paying me to write but i really want to write it and maybe i'll sell it and maybe someone will buy it but maybe they won't and that's that sort of has to be okay do you know what i mean yeah. because that's what i'm doing and yeah. so if you were also you know working in a cafe and writing something you write so i think imposter syndrome is probably never going to go away because it's even if you're employed for like 5 years on eastenders like that contract is probably going to end at some point and you know but it can't be that that contract ends and you go well i'm not a writer anymore because at this precise moment no one's paying me it's like you know that's mm. what one of your one of your things you do is that you write Good answer. <laughs> I like that. And that's okay. Yeah, yeah. So you've had work taken up and published and uh, broadcast on the radio. How do you? People are going to want to know how do you go from I've got this script to persuading people that they want to read it. Yeah, and then go on and and take it further. It's a really big question, and I I wish there was a very simple answer to it. There's not. There are a few, you know, so I think doing a course, like doing a master's is a really, really great idea because it it gives you much more of a kind of portfolio of writing at the end of it, but also some information about, about the industry and how to reach out to agents and things like that and gives you a little bit more um, sort of weight behind you when you do that. Um, finding an agent is, is like a really important step but it's really really hard at the beginning because you haven't done anything an agent's you know not necessarily going to like jump for joy at because they get so many submissions from people who haven't actually had any 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 anything made um so that is that's sort of what you're aiming for but the route towards that can be really difficult um masters is one route another route is to actually make something um yourself which is sort of how i ended up getting an agent and then getting my first big commission which was for radio 4 when i say big i i don't mean big financially i just mean like big as in significant in it's terms a significant of the, achievement isn't the it? listenership and yeah yeah and that was through a i wrote a show that i was going to perform myself that was a kind of autobiographical live literature show a sort of you know hour long theatrical monologue that i then took to the edinburgh fringe and through that an agent came to see it and then that agent sort of helped me um, make some contacts in the industry. And then, you know, by the time you've got an agent or someone advocating for you, it's it's a lot easier. But making stuff yourself and inviting people to that show is fantastic. You don't have to perform in that show. You know, I could have written a play that someone else performed, but it's because of how competitive the industry is, no one's going to come knocking at your door. And that is just the truth. And that's unfortunate, but that that is kind of the way it is. There's also um, like lots of writing competitions that you can enter. Sometimes they yield results like the BBC Writers Room, Channel 4 have lots of schemes. So it's about keeping on top of all of those schemes and having a, 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 a script, a sample script that you're really, really happy with and that is like the best that it can be. And having quite an awareness of sort of 
the culture at the moment kind of going oh I'm seeing that there's a lot of black comedy around or a lot of this or that and not I'm not saying like right for that but just have that awareness and kind of go oh I'm I'm doing this which means that my work at the moment might be more suited to television or radio um with radio like it's it's obviously a lot easier to like make a podcast or make a bit of audio drama than it is to make a feature film so it's kind of about going what's how what's a way for me to make something that can serve as a really good example of my work that isn't going to cost me thousands and thousands of pounds but maybe is going to cost me like a few hundred pounds and, a, and like some some favors from friends that's doable for some people and if you, that is doable for you then you know that is probably the best way like making a short film or making a podcast or making an audio drama like there's just something where you can go this is my writing and and let it reach people rather than just sending endless emails to agents who are probably getting loads of emails from people like you every day sadly yeah that's a really nice tie-in actually because the other thing about the course and I, i'm going to keep going on about the course is <laughs> you cover writing a screenplay writing for tv so looking at the series writing for radio and writing for the stage. And they're all kind of different animals. Yeah, really. exactly. They have a lot of commonalities, but they are really different. And that's why I set those different tasks across those different weeks. I felt like some people will go, I actually hated all of them apart from television. Still, still counts because you've still learned from all of the other genres, but then you've decided you've landed in television maybe. Some people um, might go, oh, I actually like all of them and I want to hone my skills across all of them. And I think that's fine. You know, I write across all of them and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It sometimes doesn't suit everybody's brains because some people really want to focus and you are using different skills and different muscles writing for all of those. You know, theatre is very wordy often, or it's like using imagery in a different way. Screenwriting is so, 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 so visual. And radio, obviously, like you're asking people to completely imagine things and you're using sound to tell the story. So, you know, those are three really different ways of telling a story, but it is possible to juggle all of those and learn to to move between those languages, unless that really messes with your head, in which case stick to one. <laughs> stick to the one you like the best. So do you have a favourite or do you like... The variety. I like the variety, but I think I I think I don't know. I I really love there's some there's a gorgeous simplicity about the feature film for me. I really love the feature film and that that kind of the brevity of that and to go it's an hour and a half or two hours. You're telling a full story and you're you're exploring someone's journey in a relatively not predictable but a relatively kind of um uh in, in a relatively familiar way that hopefully you can be surprising within and and I and I love that like I love that that I love a I love a great film and a, a sense of like change and that the way that that change that subtle often like subtle change is what I'm interested in but how that makes you feel as an audience member you know it's just the best so I think yeah if it was up to me but that's that's probably the <laughs> hardest of all of them to like have a full career in because mm. You know, TV is so big now and it's hard to get film funding. And yeah, so it's, but that's, if I could snap my fingers and have like yeah. <laughs> everything I want to. What about you? When I did the course, I fell so hard for screenwriting. You did. I loved, I loved the formality of the formatting mm. and the structure. Um, it's, I think I'm a little bit OCD at times and having, 
having those around me. Mm. I think there was a period where I found them really frustrating. I just thought, I just want to write. I just, I don't want to do all of this. But now I find it kind of reassuring. Yeah. Having said that, I mean, for my assi- my final assignment, I'm writing a TV series, an animated TV series, because I've not written one of those before. Wow. And so why not? Yeah. You know, if right. I'm going to mess up, I'd rather do it now than when yeah. I'm out in the industry. Oh, there's so much freedom as well with mm. animation, you know, because no one's going to say like, oh, we haven't got the budget to go to Egypt. Because yeah. you're like, well, you, yeah. they're just drawing it. So it's, it's different. Yeah. That shows how much I know about animation. They're just drawing it. No, but- <laughs> I'm sure there's say, it's a bit more there complicated are than that. Involved, apparently, but, um, <laughs> it's free. But it's, it's been exciting because I never thought I wanted to have the capacity to write a TV series, mm. but I never thought I would be able to tie everything together yeah. to get a coherent set of episodes. And I have now. Yeah, great. So, yeah. That's thrilling. And it all started... Back in 2021, when I took a chance on the introduction to screenwriting or script writing. Script writing, yeah. Um, I'm so glad you did. And I I feel like a lot of people get something out of it. Hopefully, most people get a lot out of it. But I feel like you're, you were the perfect student in that you took it really seriously, but had a lot of fun as well. And you didn't have those huge expectations of, like, I'm immediately going to come out of this and be a famous scriptwriter but you saw the potential for how it could take you on a journey. And I think it's so exciting that you've gone on to do the next stage of your journey in a more kind of intensive way. So I'm so delighted for you. What a a time. It's completely changed how I watch. um, (laughs) Oh, yeah, it's probably ruined ruined everything for you. Yeah, but I would would say to people, think about it. Watch TV, Mm. watch films, think about what you're looking at and how it's constructed. Um, Watch stage plays listen to radio yeah yeah and start to see because you're looking you, it's like going oh i'm, I'm gonna be become a baker and you know until that moment you've probably just looked at cakes from the outside yeah. and that looks delicious don't like the look of that one but now it's you're going and seeing how it's made and you yeah. know what's being put into yeah. it and you're you know and sign up for that course because it will change the way you think about everything even if you decide at the end that you don't want to write You've had a go and you know why you don't want to write or you know why you do and which aspects you want and want to focus on. Yeah. And you just look for the next steps after that. Yeah. And you found stories that you never thought you wanted to tell, but actually are very important to you. Yeah. I think that's an exciting part of it as well. Brilliant. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this. Thank you so much. And I hope people really enjoy listening to you. A big thank you to Molly and Jen for their time and conversation and to you for listening. If you have any questions or you want to get in touch, you can find us at Writers Centre on Twitter and Instagram. We're also on Facebook and you can sign up to the NCW newsletter at nationalcentreforwriting.org.uk. As a UK registered charity, we rely on the generosity of our supporters to make our work possible. You can make a donation over on our website by going to the Support Us page. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please do consider subscribing to the podcast and leaving a rating and review, because this helps other writers to find us. Thanks again. Keep writing, and I'll catch you on the next episode. <laughs>